Hey, what's up? Thanks for listening to the Aaron J. Dodson podcast. And this is a 10-minute overview of the prophets. I want to consider in this episode the meaning of the word prophet, also the mission and message of the prophets, and then the time period of the prophets. I'm about to embark on the so-called major prophets. We just finished the last book, Song of Solomon, just before Isaiah. So before I get into Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel, each individually, I've been doing 10-minute overviews of each book of the Bible, starting with Genesis and going forward in the English Bible. I want to consider some things about the prophets themselves and their message before we actually look at the content of each book, each prophet's book. The primary meaning of the word prophet is to speak for another. Exodus chapter 4, verse 14 through 16. When the Lord and his anger was kindled against Moses, he said to Moses, Is not Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well. And look, he is also coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. Now you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be your mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth, and I will teach you what you shall do. So he shall be your spokesman to the people, and he shall, and he himself shall be as a mouth for you, and you shall to be to him as God. Sorry for the butchered reading there, but I want to pinpoint uh, verse sixteen there that Aaron would be a spokesman for Aaron, for Moses, and he would be a mouth for Moses, and Moses would be to him as God. So it's to speak for another. And also Exodus chapter 7, verse 1, continuing in that same historical narrative about Moses and Aaron and their work. Exodus 7, verse 1 says, So the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you as God to Pharaoh, and Aaron, your brother, shall be your prophet. The idea is to speak for another, your spokesman. Now, the secondary meaning of the word prophet is to foretell. And so you have the prophets forthtelling, telling forth the word of God to their generation. And then also the secondary meaning to foretell. And that idea is from Deuteronomy 18, verses 20 through 22. Deuteronomy 18, 20 through 22, where God said in the law, but the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not happen or come or come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You shall not be afraid of him. So the secondary meaning of the word prophet was to foretell. The literal meaning of the word prophet, from my understanding, is to boil up like a fountain. And you might consider, for example, Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9. Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9. When Jeremiah said, Then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name, but his word was in my heart like a burning fire, shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. And so the prophets were foreseen, 
excuse me, they were seen as men who were just bubbling up like fountains. The prophets are referred to in Scripture as messengers of the Lord, Isaiah 44, 26. They're referred to as servants of God, Amos 3, 7. They're sometimes referred to as shepherds, Zechariah 11, verses 4 and 7, and also Jeremiah 17, 16. They're referred to as watchmen for the nation, Isaiah 62, 6. And there were some descriptive names given to them also, such as seer, and that means they were given divine insight, 1 Samuel 9, verses 8 and 9. They were also considered men of God. That means they belonged to God, 1 Samuel 9, 6. But what was the work of the prophet that will help us to see more clearly what they did, their mission and their message? It's multifold, multifaceted in the Old Testament times. First, their desire and their mission was to save the nation, the nation of Israel, from idolatry and wickedness. But often they would fail in this, not in preaching, but to get the nation as a whole to repent. And so what they would do is they would announce to the nation that the nation would be destroyed, whether you're thinking or talking about uh, northern Israel or southern Israel, which was known as Judah. But they also taught that that destruction or that punishment for said nation would not be a punishment of annihilation. They would teach about a remnant being saved. And that comes from 2 Kings 19, verses 30 and 31. 2 Kings 19, verses 30 and 31 and the remnant who have escaped of the house of Judah shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward. For out of Jerusalem shall go a remnant and those who escape from Mount Zion. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. That same concept is taught in multiple other places, multiple other books of the prophets. For example, Isaiah chapter 1 Verse 9, I'm going to read this because I think it's key to this. Unless the Lord of hosts had left to us a very small remnant, we would have become like Sodom. We would have become like Gomorrah. Obviously, the reference there is to the fact that Sodom and Gomorrah was completely destroyed. It was annihilated. Isaiah chapter 10, verse 21 and 22, the remnant will return, the remnant of Jacob, to the mighty God. For though your people, O Israel, be as the sand of the sea, a remnant of them will return. The destruction decreed shall overflow with righteousness. A remnant, the idea is that it's a small group. So they would preach the nation to come out of, they would preach to the nation to come out of their idolatry and wickedness. And we know with northern Israel and southern Judah, overall, in the long run, the prophets seemingly failed, not in carrying out the mission God gave to them, but in getting the nation as a whole to repent. And so they would announce through preaching that the nation would be destroyed, but the punishment, the destruction would not be complete. There would be a remnant that would be saved. You see that idea, idea also in Jeremiah, Jeremiah 23.3, and Ezekiel, Ezekiel 14.22. They also preached that out of the remnant, that small group of people that would be delivered, that would trust in God and obey Him, there would come an influence that would spread over the earth and bring all nations to God. And that influence would be a great man who would one day arise from the family of David. And that's why you see so much emphasis on David and his descendants. 
the prophets called him the branch. Isaiah 11, 1, Jeremiah 23, 5, Jeremiah 33, 15, Zechariah 3, 8, and Zechariah 6, 12. The family tree of David was once a powerful family in the world, but then they were cut down. And in the days of the prophets, they were cut down to uh, rule a little and despised kingdom or nation. And that, that was when they appeared to be disappearing. They were a family of kings with no kingdom. But the family would not disappear, and the prophet said that. Um, it, w- it, it would have a comeback. David's family would come back. And so the prophets would speak of a sprout, a branch, so great that he would be called the branch. And in the prophets, they themselves may not have understood the full impact of some of their words. I, be- I don't think that they did. I'm, I'm confident that they, that they didn't when I read the words of Peter in 1 Peter chapter 1. But... Um, the the mo, uh, not mosaic the messianic portraits that they painted were uh, language that in which the Jews could connect and appreciate and those tidbits those those uh, foreshadowings were, were were sometimes buried or blurred maybe in the historic events of their own day. And, and so I believe that much, if not most, of the prophets and their work was to their nation. Pretty much all of it was, but yet there were foreshadowings of greater things to come after them, things that pertain to that great man, the great branch, the Messiah. And so I do believe that when we read the New Testament, we can go back and we can see the whole story of Christ and how God had... Uh, foreseen these things and foreshadowed them. Uh, They are outlined in the Old Testament. And so let me briefly make a comment about the the time period of the prophets. I've gone over my 10-minute mark now. These three time periods need to be kept in mind when considering the prophets, the books from Isaiah all the way through Malachi, the Assyrian period, the Babylonian period, and the post-exile period. The Assyrian period deal, uh, would include uh, Obadiah, Joel, Jonah, Amos, Hosea, Isaiah, and Micah. And much of those books deal with the northern kingdom. Not exclusively, but much of them. And then you've got Babylonian period, which um, you can read about during Jeremiah, Zephaniah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Ezekiel, and Daniel. And then the post-exile, this would be after the southern kingdom, Judah, came back from exile in in, uh, Babylon. The books Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi detail information and events during the post-exile period. And if a person will keep these three time periods in mind, I think having a timeline in mind and tying each of these books to their proper time period will greatly benefit the Bible student in understanding, appreciating, and properly interpreting the books of the prophets. So remember, the Assyrian period uh, from about 845 to 700 B.C., the Babylonian period from about 626 to 536 B.C., and then the post-exile period from about 520 B.C. to 440 B.C. 
If you keep that in mind, I truly believe it will help you. I hope I've given you information that will whet your appetite to study more and also tune in for future episodes regarding the major prophets. The next will be Isaiah, then Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel in that order. Thank you so much for listening to the Aaron J. Dodson podcast. And if you've enjoyed this, please share this with others. Thank you so much. God bless, and I'll catch you next time.